You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Well, I'm doped up on Dayquil, pre-workout in the Holy Ghost, so praise God. Be ready, because I feel like the Lord's going to move this morning. I said I feel like the Lord's going to move this morning. Last week we started a series, and um, this actually Friday night, the Lord gave me a word that I feel like is specifically for this morning. Uh, That's either from my nose or my eyes, one of the two. I feel like God gave me a word specifically for today. And I believe that over the next 35 minutes, uh, this room is going to be filled with the glory of God. And that many of you are going to have your lives changed forever. You're going to leave here differently than how you came. And I believe the Holy Spirit's going to mark you and he's going to fill you if you will let him. Um, over the past couple months, I believe that the Lord has begun to do something in our midst that we've been praying for. Uh, if you have not been to our church since December or it's been a couple months since you've came, we are a different church. Uh, our name is still the same. Our building is the same. Our pastors are still the same. Uh, but we are different. And God has begun something since the beginning of January that I believe uh, is, is going to move us into a place where we begin to see an outpouring of God upon not only the body here but on this region. Uh, I believe that he's beginning to give us vision to see a region saved. Uh, that the stories we read about in Acts where entire cities heard the gospel, where entire regions heard the gospel, I believe we're going to see that. I believe we're going to begin to see cities come to know Jesus. It's not just going to be a great idea, but we're actually going to watch it happen. And I believe that God is beginning to birth inside of many of you that dream, that vision to begin to be the catalyst for revival in this region. That we're going to go from being observers to participants. And we're going to begin to see the glory of God fall on a place, fall on a region. And that the lost will come running because the church begins to be activated to live like Jesus. And I believe that the Lord gave me a word for this morning for us in this season to begin to release something upon this body. And that over the next 30 minutes, if you will respond, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to fill you in such a way where you will be propelled into a new way of living for the gospel. Do you believe that? In, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 25, it says this. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You and I are called to be disciples. When Jesus died on the cross, he did not die to make converts. The Great Commission says for you and I, for we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
that you and I are not called to just believe in the Lord. The Bible says that even the devil and the demons believe in Jesus. And what is it to them? That it is not simply an understanding that God is real, but it is a following to Jesus. It is a death to self experience where our life once looked like this and now we turn and we are a new creation following Jesus. Where your old self is gone and your new has come. And this verse... This verse does not indicate a lifestyle of roses and daisies. It says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, and lose your life. Because you will not find it until you lose it. Amen. Doesn't that just feel warm and fuzzy? This is the gospel. The gospel is not believe on Jesus and your life will be amazing and great and you'll never have any problems. No, the gospel is this, is lay down everything, follow me, and you will receive me. Jesus this is why we're alive is for Jesus this is why we're here it's simply for Jesus we do not worship for ourselves we worship for him worship is simply about Jesus I believe that this morning the Lord wants to make a distinction between those people who love themselves more than the Lord those who love themselves more than they love Jesus Jesus is not Lord of your life until he owns your life. A couple of weeks ago, I, I gave an illustration about how, like our, us as, as a person, we've got many rooms. And if you've only given the Lord half of your rooms, if you've, if you've re, you know, retained control of a specific part of your life, but you've given him 90% or you've given 95%, he is merely a guest and he is not Lord. He is not Lord of your life until you've given him everything. Until you've given him everything. And I believe that this morning that the Lord wants to empty many of you of yourself. He wants to empty you of you so that he can fill you. The Lord fills empty vessels. Open, willing vessels to receive the Lord. First Timothy 6 verse 5 says, people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means of financial gain. This verse describes a person who thinks that their godliness or their growth or their pursuit of the Lord is simply to benefit them. This is not the gospel. The Word of God, your relationship with Jesus, is simply about you and Him growing in relationship. About you staying at the feet of Jesus, fixating your eyes upon Him, staring into His face, and realizing that nothing compares to simply being with Him. This is the gospel. It's simply about you and Him growing in relationship with one another. You spending time, you desiring nothing else but simply to be with Him where all else fades. Self is no more, and all you want is Jesus. And I believe that in order for God to come and do what he really wants to do in this church and in this region, it requires you and me. It requires us as a church to be laid bare before the Lord, to lay ourself at the altar, and to say, Jesus, all I desire is you. Empty me of me and fill me with you. In 2 Kings, there's a, 
There's a passage of scripture that many of us have heard before. It's of Elisha and a widow. And I want to read this for you. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7. And it says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, pour, put it on one side. She left him and shut the door be behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. This is a story about a woman who was recently widowed. Her husband owed debt at that time in that culture. If you could not pay your debt, you and your family were sold as slaves to the creditor until you could pay back what was owed. And here's this woman crying out, desperate for the Lord to come and to provide for her family to pay off her debt. And maybe many of you are in this room and you can relate to this woman right now. You've got debt in your life, not from the financial side, but you are in debt to sin or you're in bondage to pain or you're in bondage to, to a religious spirit or you're in bondage to, to addictions or you're in bondage to doubt and to fear. And you're asking the Lord, God, would you come and would you bring freedom in my life? Would you come and remove this debt from me? And there's this desperation inside of this woman in this moment that is something that we can learn from. It's similar to the desperation that was found in Hannah, who was Samuel's mother, who could not have a, have a son. And she went before the Lord and she cried out. And those around her thought that she was drunk because of how desperate she was to see a miracle. She had exhausted all of herself. She exhausted every other option, but there was only one option left, and it was Jesus. And so she was laid bare before the Lord saying, God, if you don't come, God, if you don't do something, my situation has no hope. There was a hopelessness except that Jesus was available. And I believe that that desperation, that hunger, where it, it will, won't relent until it sees something change, that desperation is something that you and I need to begin to absorb in our lives, where we are desperate and we won't relent, we won't stop praying, we won't stop worshiping until we begin to see a move of God upon this region, that there is a hunger that says, I've exhausted every other resource, I've exhausted myself. Is there anybody, come on, are you at all excited about what God wants to do here? Some of y'all need to tell your faces that right now. We are not here to play church. We're here to see a city and a region changed and encountering Jesus. We're here to see the power of God fall every time we gather together that you and I, when we leave this place, we are activated. We don't have an off switch, but when we leave this place, everywhere we go, we stomp darkness and we live like Jesus. Everywhere we go. 
And this woman responds to Elisha and she says, all I have is just a small jar of oil. This is all I've got. And Elisha says, there's plenty to work with. Some of you here today, you're thinking, well, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes to be used by God. You don't understand. I don't have the giftings. I don't have the abilities. I'm not eloquent. I don't have faith. I've got scars. I've got a past. And the Lord says, come as you are. If you're willing to give it all, I can use you. God doesn't ask you to change your life before you come. He doesn't ask you to clean up before you come. He doesn't ask you to stop doing what you're doing. He simply says, come. Now, when you come, lay yourself bare before the Father. And if you will give all to him, he says, that's a man or that's a woman that I can use. But too often what we do is we come and we say, God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to... I want to see things change in my life. I want to see growth in my marriage and my children and my finances. I want to begin to be vocal for you. I want to be a light for you. God, won't you come and fill me? But the problem is, is we're already so full of self. There's no room for the Lord to fill you. You've got so much self inside of you that the Lord's like, there's no space for me. And Elisha responds to her and she says, go to your friends and your neighbors and gather up all the empty jars and begin to fill those jars with oil. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Aaron, you are those jars. You are those empty jars. I cannot fill a person filled with self. I can only fill an empty individual. Removed of self, Removed of selfish ambition, removed of fear, doubt, shame, worry, all left at the altar. You are empty and laid bare before him. And the Lord says, that's someone who I can fill, who is empty and laid bare. Because we come and we say, God, fill me up. We come on Sundays, we come on Fridays, we come on Tuesday night to Jesus nights, so young adults on Monday or youth on Wednesdays, and we come to the altar and we say, God, fill me, but yet we're so full of self, there's no room for him to fill. And God wants to fill you with power. He wants to fill you with freedom. He wants to fill you with anointing. He wants to fill you with himself and with, and with the revelation of what you're called to do and who he is, but you're so full of self, there's no room for him. There's no room for him. And what ends up happening if we have tongue-talking alcoholics, we have spirit-filled, pornographic, addicted people. We have tithing and well-attended Christians whose marriage is falling apart. Have evidence of the gifts of the Lord, but don't know them. So full of self. This is why in Matthew, people stand before the Lord at the end of the day. And he says, yes, you prophesied in my name. You healed the sick in my name. You cast out demons in my name. But depart from me, for I never knew you. You can have all the gifts and never know the gift giver. You can look the part and give. You can serve. You can attend and never know the one you're coming for. 
I'm sharing this from you from experience. How the Lord has asked me to come before him and lay myself bare where my prayer every morning is simply, God, search my heart and see if there be any of me in me because I simply want you. So, God, I want to empty myself so all that is left is simply an empty vessel for you to fill. And the filling comes in the waiting. When Jesus ascended to heaven, there was 500 people that he told to go wait. Those 500 people were told, wait just a few days and there's someone coming. There's someone coming. Trust me, you need me to go to heaven because there's something coming. You need to wait. And from that moment to Acts chapter 2 in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit descended upon those, 380 left. Started with 500. 380 over the next couple of days. You know what? How long did he say to wait? You know, I'm... I'm starting to doubt that that was really what, what the Lord wanted us to do. Was Jesus really the Messiah? Is it really worth waiting for? We should go out and do our own thing. But those who waited, those who tarried, those who persevered, those who had their eyes simply on Jesus and said, I will wait as long as it takes. I won't relent until I see the promises of the Lord fulfilled. Those are the ones who were filled with the Holy Spirit. Those were the ones who were filled with the power of God. They waited. They waited. There's something that happens in the waiting. There's something that happens in the consistency. And it's so easy to begin the year and come to a couple Friday nights and, and come to a Jesus night and, and, uh, and fast a couple of days and read your word. And then after a couple of months or a couple of weeks, we go right back to the way we're living. And the Lord is looking for people who will not relent but will stay consistent. The Lord is looking for people who will wait, who after the service is done, who's after they've, they've given their 30 minutes in the morning or their five minutes of prayer, they'll say, no, I won't stop. I want more. He's looking for those people who are hungry enough to say I'll be at the tip of the spear I'll be the one that will run and if no one follows that's okay because I'm simply following Jesus the Lord is looking for the hungry ones the desperate ones who will lay themselves bare before the Lord to say God use me mark me place me on fire baptize me in fire I don't care what the end result is do you know that only I learned this yesterday from Scott only 4% of Christians share their faith only 4% of Christians share their faith. This is a church of about 800 people. That, that would mean 32 people in this, in this congregation share their faith. Now, I think that's different here. But why is that? Because they are lovers of themselves more than the Lord. If you aren't sharing your faith, it is not probably an indicator, but it is an indicator that you are lovers of yourself more than Jesus. If it is hard for you to spend longer than five or 25 or 35 minutes in the presence of the Lord every day, you are probably lovers of yourselves more than Jesus. I am not trying to create a law. I'm simply telling you that when you are in love with him, everything else pales in comparison to simply being in his presence. I'm not putting regulations and expectations upon you. It's simply to say that when you see him, you desire nothing else except just Jesus. You can't stay quiet.
love you. I'm not here talking down to you. I'm simply telling you what I feel like the Lord is saying to myself. And I believe he's saying it to us. The Lord is looking for me and he's looking for you. To empty ourselves of ourself. Because those are the ones that he is looking for to use. And I believe the Lord is looking for a church that he can trust with himself. Who will honor him. Who will revere him. Who will humble themselves and say, God, I want to be laid bare before you. To be an empty vessel. Amen. Emptiness. Emptiness equals death. Praise God. Emptiness equals death. Death to self. You want to be my disciple? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Why are you carrying your cross? Not for good workout, even though my wife wants me to work out more. It's not so I can have bigger biceps, although they can't get much bigger. Underneath this jacket is a bodybuilder. Shocking to you, I know, but trust me, a six-pack is here. That's why I wear loose clothes, because I don't want to intimidate any of you. That was the lie. It was by faith, though. Take up your cross. Why? So you can die on it. It's for death. It's an instrument of death. The symbol of Christianity, it's an instrument of your death. And follow me, not follow what you want to do. Follow him. And then lose your life. This is discipleship. This is the gospel. This is actually what being a Christian is about. It's death to self. So you can be alive in him. Losing your life at the foot of the cross so that you can find it. The answer to your marriage, the answer to your finances, the answer to your life is not found in, in structure and systems and strategies. It's found in him. It's found in laying everything aside and saying, Jesus, I must know you. I must have you. And I will not leave until I find you. There are several ways you can put to death the things that limit your capacity. Does everybody else, do you have a smile on your face? Doesn't it just feel good when we talk about dying? Hallelujah. I love it. This is the gospel though. We are to imitate our Christ. We are to imitate our Father. And he gave himself and then he found redemption and he found being raised from the dead and you when you die you will find that same new life in him number one is nail it to the cross how do you get rid of self you nail it Galatians 5 24 said those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there Those who belong to Jesus have nailed their passions and sinful desires to the cross and left them there. The altar of the Lord is not a place to come and to watch and to celebrate, but it's a place of dying. And I believe that this altar today is going to be a place for you 
to come and to lay yourself at the altar, to crucify your desires and passions that are of yourself so that you can receive him. And I will be the first one there. Number two is confess them to God and to man. How do you get rid of self? 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. When you confess and repent, you can come boldly before the throne with confidence. The die to self begins with repentance. It begins with coming and laying yourself bare before the Lord saying, God, I need you. This place of desperation, similar to Hannah, similar to, to what we read about of the widow who came and just said, God, I've exhausted myself. I simply need you. And I repent for my ways. I repent for my past. I repent for being selfish. I repent for having self and loving myself more than you. And then in James it says, if you have confessed your sins one to another, you will be healed. That freedom is found at confession. Freedom is found at repentance. Number three is surrender. Romans 6, 11 through 13. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to, sin, to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, do this. Give yourselves completely to God. Surrender. Be empty. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God surrendering yourself laying yourself bare before the Lord this is actually the gospel every day coming before him surrendering yourself it is not a one-time decision it is every day saying God I am in desperate need of you if you do not feel me I have nothing I have nothing I must have you in 2nd Kings 4 through 6 here's the widow it says soon every container was full to the brim Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons, for there aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. The oil stops flowing when you are no longer empty. When you are no longer empty, the oil stops flowing. You may experience the oil. What is the oil that God wants to pour over you this morning? What's the oil that he wants to fill your jar with this morning? It's the oil and the power of the Holy Spirit so that you and I can be empowered to go and do great exploits for the Lord. So we will be empowered to begin to intercede until we see a region change. So that we will be filled with power that everywhere we walk, we will be a light for Jesus. This is why we, we empty ourselves at the altar say, God, I must be filled. It is, the problem is not in the power of the oil. The problem is not in God's ability to change or God's ability to move in a region. It's not that. It's in our capacity to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
And I believe that the Lord spoke to me very clearly and he said, today I want to make a distinction between those who are lovers of themselves more than lovers of me. God is not Lord of your life until he has it all. He will simply be a visitor. And I believe that this morning, that this place right up here, this altar is an altar of dying today. An altar where you can come and lay yourself on the altar to empty yourself of you. It's in those empty people that the power of the Holy Spirit can come and to fill. I believe that even those who have received a filling of the Holy Spirit have bought into a lie at times that says that I've already received what I've needed. But yet we see that it's the emptiness, the constant place of being empty before the Lord, that those are the ones that the Lord is looking for who stay there, who stay empty, who stay in a place of need, of desperation, where there is no other hope but simply Him. It's in that place at the foot of the cross. It's in that place where we nail every morning, we nail ourselves to the cross and say, God, I must have you. It's that place of emptiness that the Lord wants you and I to remain at, where nothing else has our attention except simply Him. Jesus is after all of you, every single part. Every single part. If you're here today and you're struggling with addiction, you're struggling with, with pornography, you're struggling with alcoholism, if you've put things above the Lord, your house, your career, your job, your finances, your hobbies, and they're before the Lord, I believe that there's a special freedom here today. If you will lay it at the altar before the Lord and you will ask him to say, God, burn it up. Burn it up, everything that I've put ahead of you. Burn it up. I simply want you. God, I'm laid bare. I lay myself bare at the altar of the Lord. God, I simply want you. I believe that some of you have put the promises of the Lord ahead of him. And just as Abraham was asked to take his son and lay his son on the altar, the son, the promised son, and he said, go and sacrifice your son because it was that promise that had become more important than Jesus. Some of you have allowed the promises of the Lord to become more important than him. And I believe you need to lay that promise, that son on the altar, say, God, take it. I simply want you. If you're in your seat, if you would stand with me, if you came forward, I want you just to begin to repent before the Lord. I believe that the Lord is asking you, will you repent? Will you lay it? It's in that place of repentance that instills humility. It's that place of repentance that begins to, that bring an awareness of the need for Jesus. Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me for making myself, forgive me for making selfish desires, forgive me for placing my own wants, my own needs ahead of you. Father, forgive me for making it be about me. God, I'm sorry for coming here looking for blessings. God, I'm sorry coming here. God, lifting my hands so I can have my problems fixed. God, it's simply about you. 
It's simply about you. God, this morning I come to the altar, Lord, and I lay myself. I empty myself at the altar. Come. Come and take all of me, Jesus. Come and take all of me, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. If you're still in your seat and you want to come forward, don't wait. Don't wait. I really believe that the Lord today was saying that I will empty you if you lay it on the altar. I will take the things that you've been needing to get out. I will take it today. I believe there's a special exchange today that the Lord wants to make with you. Will you actually lay it at the altar? Will you come and be laid bare before? I believe that the Lord is going to ask many of you. You're in a career or you're in a job where you feel like you can't speak. You can't, you feel restricted. I believe that the Lord is going to ask you to be emboldened, to be obedient for the Lord, to become a spokesman for him, to be loud, to not allow fear to restrain you anymore. I believe that there's some of you here today that you've been battling addiction. You've been battling addiction in your life and it's time to lay it at the altar. I believe that the Lord is gonna bring freedom to you, that he's gonna cancel the debt, he's gonna cancel the bondage, but you've gotta lay it, lay it at the altar. Lay it at the altar, lay it at the altar. Lay it, Jesus come. Holy Spirit, we ask for the fire of God to fall on this room right now. The fire of God to fall on this room in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Fire of God fall upon this room in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, the fire, the refiner's fire, the refiner's fire that purifies, the refiner's fire that removes self, the refiner's fire that comes and removes ambition of self, the refiner's fire that comes and Lord strips away every fear, every pride. Some of you, you need to grab your spouse and you need to repent, come and say, God, we lay our marriage at the altar today. We lay our relationship at the altar today. Come, take pride. Take fear, and we, we lay it, God. Burn it up. Burn it up, Lord. Holy Spirit, move. 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 Move in this place. Move in this place, Jesus. Move in this place, Jesus. Move in this place, Jesus. Just begin to lift your hands. Just begin to praise Him. As you begin to see Him, as you begin to get your eyes focused on Him, you begin to realize that it's worth it. You begin to realize that it's worth it. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm at the altar. But to be with you, Jesus. This is why I'm here, just to know you. All hail the King. All hail the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, just begin to praise Him. Just begin to praise Him.